Last month, on the first Sunday in the month, I mentioned that the first Sundays of each month for the foreseeable future are not going to be part of our normal preaching series, but we'll look at some different themes. And I said that one of the things that we could do is if you had particular questions or issues or themes that you wanted to look at, then if it fitted in, we could look at those on a Sunday morning. And I invited people to ask me uh, or pass me some, some questions, and somebody did. Uh, and that's so what we're going to be doing today is hopefully answering something of that question that was asked and that you'll go away with some answers and not just more questions. That's always my fear, is that you leave with more questions uh, than you started with. But the question was around about this idea of, well, how, if I'm making decisions, how do I know what it is that God wants me to do? Um, how do I know that those thoughts in my head are from God and not from uh, just my own thoughts? And so we're going to be thinking a little bit about that today. But if you do have any um, other questions um, that you'd like to look at on a Sunday, uh, the first Sunday in the month, then do just let me know and uh, we can do that. So when it comes to discerning God's will for my future, I want to start with uh, two stories. Um, two stories from my own experience. And I want to tell these two stories because they kind of give you two ends of the spectrum, and so and they reveal some of the frustrations that I have um, as we think about this topic of discerning God's will for our lives. So I'd gone to university, I was studying electrical and electronic engineering, uh, but by my second year, I knew that this wasn't kind of like something I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life. Um, I was doing okay, and so I was planning on finishing my degree. Um, but I was starting to ask, this was about my second year, I was starting to ask God about what I was going to be doing in the rest of my life. And I was sat in church one Sunday evening, uh, and I can't remember if it was just before the service or just after the service, but there was this voice that said, be a maths teacher. And there was no one else around, so I don't know if anyone else heard it or not, but I, I, it was real enough that I turned around to see who had said it, and there was nobody, I was sat fairly near the back, and there was nobody um, behind me. Uh, so an audible voice saying, be a maths teacher. The next day, so this, that was Sunday, this is now Monday, uh, I was living in a, in a shared house, and one of the people at breakfast was reading the paper, as he did every morning, and as I came and sat down, the bit of the paper that was facing me had a big page advert saying, teach in Africa. Tuesday, so that was Sunday, Monday. Tuesday, I went to Christian Union, as I did every Tuesday, and the, the, the speaker who had been invited for that day was sharing about his experience teaching in Africa with Africa Inland Mission. And so I, they could have been coincidences, but I took those three things uh, with thought and with prayer and perceived them to be God's guidance for the next stage of my life. Forward fast seven years, I'm now teaching maths in Essex. Um, I'm part of a local church. I'm in a home group, and I'm, I might have told this story before, uh, but I was seeking God's guidance 
on issues relating to a particular young lady who was also in the church at the same time. And in our home group, we were looking at the life of David. And I can't remember if this was the exact passage we were looking at, but it was one very much like this from Samuel 2 Samuel chapter 5, 19, that said something along the lines of, So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him. And then the situation changes a little bit, and there's another verse a little bit later on, which says, So David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him. And I remember sitting in this home group being really, really frustrated with God. Uh, It's okay for David. He asks God, and God gives him a direct and straight answer. So why is it that when I ask God, all I get is deathly silence? And so I wanted to know. Uh, So anyway, I must have, well, I think I probably did railroad the whole of the house group with my frustration and my questions, so much so that at the end, the home group leader uh, offered to give me a lift home. Um, Halfway there, he stopped the car and said, right, what was all that about? Um, And so we had a bit of a conversation. And so, but you've got one situation where I believe that God spoke to me in an audible voice, and that's the only time that's ever happened. So once in my 42 years as a Christian, and another situation where although I was praying, God seemed to be saying absolutely nothing. Uh, And he continued to be silent on the matter, even after my little outburst in home group. And so as we think about this topic of how do we discern God's will for our lives, that's kind of a little bit of my background in terms of I've experienced quite an extreme uh, range of responses from God as I have been thinking about this. Um, I'm aware that you might have questions, um, and so I've set up a Slido. Where's my computer gone? Uh, And so if you have a phone and you go to slido.com, and you type in 272-1777, then you can submit questions whilst I'm talking anonymously. So I don't even know that they are from you. If questions come up uh, that you think, oh, that's a good question, I wish I'd asked that, you can give the question a thumbs up, and then it will rank. So questions that come up a lot will be... um, ranked at the top, and either we might have a little bit of time at the end, although we might not, um, uh, but also this slider will be open until, I think it's for another two, at least another two days. So if you come up with any questions when you're at home, and you can ask the questions in the slider, I'll see them, I'll look at slider on about Wednesday, and maybe Thursday's weekly reflection video, if there's some good questions in there, then I might include those in the weekly uh, video that gets sent out on a Thursday. So slido.com and 272-1777. And that is active, I think. Right. Who knows what a magic eight ball is? Thomas, what's a magic eight ball? You do. So it has a little screen on the bottom... And you ask it a question, some of them are just yes, no, but some of them have a range of responses like absolutely, 
or consult me later, or chances aren't good, that sort of thing. So you ask it a question that kind of has a yes-no answer, you shake it, and you can look at the bottom, and it will give you, depending on how it's set up, uh, it will give you an answer. Now, I want to frame the rest of what I want to say in the context that God is not a magic eight ball. Um, So if our relationship with God only involves treating God like a magic eight ball, where if I've got a question that I need an answer, I will go and consult God, or if I'm in a crisis, I will go and ask God for help, then... uh, then that's kind of not the context in which I, I want you to think about everything else that I am saying. Uh, I'm, I want us to frame all of what I'm going to say for the rest of the morning in the context of that we are in a relationship with God, that we are therefore regularly reading our Bible, we're regularly having times of prayer, and we are putting ourselves regularly in contexts where we are meeting with other Christians to worship, uh, to study, to pray, whether that be on a Sunday morning as a regular thing or in a home group as a regular thing or in some other group. Um, so that's kind of the context in which you need to place everything else that I'm, what, that I'm saying. So I'm not saying that you can kind of ignore God for most of the time and he will give you the magic eight ball type answers to all your questions um, if it doesn't work like that. As with, as with so much else in the Christian life, uh, there are no easy answers and there are no quick fixes. Um, and that's certainly true, I think, when it comes to discerning God's will for our lives. When it comes to um, seeking God's will uh, in the Bible, um, then there are a number of ways, uh, some of which which do seem a little bit like the Magic 8 Ball type of approach. And so in the Old Testament, there's this thing, or these things called the Urim and the Thummim, and uh, no one's quite sure exactly what they were, because when you read about them in different parts of the Old Testament, they seem to function in slightly different ways. Uh, But they are a little bit like a priestly magic eight ball. Uh, Now, the best guess of what they actually were that I can come across is that there were two double-sided objects, one, so, and each one had a yes and no on either side. And so those of you who are good at maths will know that therefore there are a potential, how many combinations? Two objects, two sides? Four. So one of those will give you a double yes, so an affirmative. One of those will give you a double no, so a no and the two options in the middle will give you a yes and a no. And so either these were thrown by the priest, and it would come up a double yes for a yes, or a double no for a no, or, or they were in a bag and they were drawn out. So no one knows exactly how they would work, but it would be something like that. Um, in the New Testament, so when the apostles were choosing another 12th apostle, they did it by, they were praying, and within the context of prayer, they drew lots. And so, uh, again, possibly drawing names out of a hat or out of a bag or whatever um, it was. Um, in Judges, there is this story of Gideon and his fleeces where he put 
One day he put the fleece outside and he said, I want the ground to be dry and the fleece to be wet. And the next day it was, I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. Uh, I don't recommend that approach. Um, And then in Acts chapter 15 and verse 28, we read, uh, again, there'd been discussion and um, what have you. And we read, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond blah, 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 blah. Uh, And so this sense of through the conversation that they were having, through the prayer, through um, the reflecting and the consideration, it seemed good. And so they, whatever, however that, whatever that looked like, um, that was the process in which they seemed to kind of come up to a decision on what they were going to do next. So, does God have a plan for my life? Um, and and what does that question even mean? Uh, because some of us may well have grown up with a view that God does have a plan for our lives. And we'll base that on verses like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And often what we mean by that is that life looks like this. It's a series of decisions, and at each point I need to decide, am I going to do this, am I going to do that, or am I going to do the other? And then you work your way kind of through life based on the decisions that you... uh, And so let's say I get to this point and the red circle, and if I choose to take the red line and go up, then obviously all of the things that would have happened in the bottom, those are no longer available to me because I've, I've chosen to go on a path through that top section. And then when we start talking about God's will for my life, quite often people can mean, well, I'm over there on the left-hand side, and God's will is that I get to that red circle over there, which means that at every point, I've got the potential to make the wrong decision, which means I will never get to that circle. And that can be almost paralyzing in terms of our decision-making. Because at every single circle, we are so terrified of making the wrong choice, which means we'll never get to where God wants us to be, that we end up doing nothing rather than doing anything at all. That's not uh, where I'm coming from. Now, um, I expect for our young people, they might look at that diagram, and they might think... Yeah, life is full of so many choices. Um, I think one of the reasons that we have a mental health crisis amongst our young people at the moment is partly because, I think there are lots of factors, but partly because they are overwhelmed with choice. What school are you going to go to? What GCSEs are you going to take? Where are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to do A-levels? Are you going to do B-techs? Are you going to do something else? What subjects are you going to take? Are you going to go to university? If you are, which university? Where are you going to study? What job are you going to get? Are you going to get married? And if so, who to? Where are you going to live? Etc., etc., etc. And if you've got that in your mind, when you've got that many decisions to be making, that can be thoroughly overwhelming. And I don't expect, depending on who you are, 
I don't expect your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your great-great-grandparents thought about this in the same way as you do today. Because in comparison, they had hardly any decisions or choices to make. So depending on where you lived, uh, you'd have gone to school until you were 14 or 15, maybe, and then you'd have left school. Maybe you'd gone to work with your dad, if he was a baker or um, a blacksmith. Um, or depending on where, if you worked in various parts of the country, you would simply go and work in the, in the local factory or the local mill, or maybe you would work within agriculture. And so I don't think they faced any... So it just simply wasn't an issue. You just got on with whatever was the next thing that you did because that's what everybody did. You had, by comparison, so little choice. So does God have a plan for my life? I think for the majority of Christians throughout church history, they've not been thinking about this question in terms of what university do I go to, where do I live? In terms of God's plan for their life, it's been much more about what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in my situation? So if I'm in the factory, if I'm on the farm, if I'm at school, if I'm at college, whatever it is, what does it look like? to be a follower of Jesus in my context. You might not agree with me, um, but I do think that God cares for each of us very much. But I don't think that God is particularly bothered about lots of the choices that we have to make. I think there are lots of choices and decisions that we over-agonize about, and God's probably not particularly bothered whether we do one thing or another. And so it, if I'm thinking, shall I do maths, further maths and physics, or should I do English, geography and Spanish at A-level? Definitely maths. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think God's particularly bothered one way or another. When it comes to university, should I go to Loughborough, Leicester, or Lincoln? Again, I don't think God's particularly bothered. Now, I'm not saying that we are therefore free to do whatever we like. This was a, one of our memory verses from way back from week 11. What was that? Uh, the 15th of March, that one was from. So, if we're a Christian, God is interested in the decisions that we make. He does have a big plan for our lives, but I don't think it's a plan where he micromanages every single decision that we make. Rather, it's a plan that sees us become more like Jesus. He wants us to become holy. Um, and you can do that. You can be a disciple of Jesus, whether you go to Loughborough, whether you go to Leicester, or whether you go to Lincoln, uh, or whether you don't go to university at all and you go into work, or you do an apprenticeship. You can become more like Jesus in any and every of those contexts. We've seen this slide lots of times, and you'll see it lots more, uh, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, and so maybe we should be thinking about the decisions 
we're not, we shouldn't be thinking about it in the sense of what is the, the right choice in order to ultimately end up at the red circle at the end of my life? What we should be thinking about is the decision before me now, is it going to pull me closer to Jesus? Is it going to make me more like Jesus? Or is it going to push me away from Jesus and make it harder to follow Jesus? Now, sometimes I think there are decisions where maybe it is more clear what would be the right thing to do or what would be preferable. And so, for example, I think if you're facing a decision um, about a career choice uh, and one option means that you're going to get paid a whole lot more money. But the flip side is that you're going to spend a lot more time away from your family. Um, it will make it very difficult to be part of a local church community. Uh, and you know that that job opportunity will put you in context that you know for you personally are triggers that lead you into sin. Then I would say that you need an absolute very certain yes from God that that is what he's asking you to do. I think there are many times in our life where we face choices, and I don't think God minds whether I do A, B, or C. We just need to make a decision and do something. And again, you might disagree with me, but I think that's uh, even when it comes to the question of marriage partners. Um, I would also want to kind of move away from the idea that God has a person already chosen for you. Your job is out of everyone on the planet is to find the one that God wants whilst not hitching up with the wrong person along the way. I don't think that's what it is at all. I think there are lots of people uh, that we could marry. But again, it's not a license to do whatever you want. God has laid down guidelines. First of all, the New Testament puts a very high value on being single. And so we need to rewrite the cultural narrative that says you need to be in a relationship or you need to have a family in order to be fulfilled. And so for those of you that have got older children, or older grandchildren, don't be the parent or the grandparent that keeps on nagging about the latest boyfriend or girlfriend or when you're going to start a family. So the New Testament puts a very high value on being single. And the New Testament also, I think, makes it clear that a Christian should marry a Christian. Uh, and so if you're thinking about whether or not to start a romantic relationship with someone if they're not a Christian, I would say the answer is no. Don't start a romantic relationship with them. Um, let's suppose that you do have a decision to make. It's a significant decision, and you're wanting wisdom uh, to know whether one option is better than another um, in terms of your ongoing discipleship 
Or is it one of those decisions where it doesn't really matter which choice you take? Uh, here are a couple of um, our more recent memory verses. Um, because as Christians, we need to be thinking about um, values. We need to be thinking about principles. And we need to remember that often the way that God thinks is very different to the way that the world thinks. A few weeks ago, we were in the Beat- we were in our memory verses. We were me- memorizing the Beatitudes again. A reminder: the Sermon on the Mount, the passage that we read read a bit from earlier on, uh, that that God's values are often the reverse of the world's values. Um, Paul uh, says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing." of your mind. And so if we're thinking about a career or a job, um, then the sorts of things that would attract us to a job in the past, prestige, reputation, salary, size of the company car, do I get a corner office, Uh, do I get my own parking space, anything that might appeal to our ego, we need to put those things on one side. That's not to say that we don't consider them, and it's, uh, it's not to say that they don't play a part in our thinking and in our praying. I mean, if you, if you have a family, you need to be able to provide for them. But we need to remember that ultimately, God is the source of all things. And so uh, an increase in salary shouldn't be the thing that clinches the deal. God wants us to act justly, he wants us to love mercy. He wants us to walk humbly with him. And so we need to be asking, is this an opportunity, this decision? Is it an opportunity that that's going to be easier? Or is that going to be harder? Is it going to be more likely that I will act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God if I go that way, or if I go that way? So... In terms of making a decision, is it consistent with God's word? We've just looked at some of those things. Uh, what do others think? Who are my mature Christian friends who I respect, who I can go to and ask advice for? What do they say? Is this something that they could see me doing? Um, you might be wondering if uh, how I ended up being a Baptist minister if God said, be a maths teacher. Uh, That's a very long story. We're not going there now. Uh, But just to say that it started with multiple people either asking me the question, have you considered being a minister, or telling me you should become a minister. And it got to the point where I simply couldn't keep on saying no. Um, That's not what God is saying. I had to start asking the question, well, God, is this what you are saying? Are you trying to tell me something? Um, have you been praying about it? Again, not like a magic eight ball where we just go to God, I've got a question, I need an answer. Uh, but within the context of regular prayer. Um, or, and, and how do I pray? Am I praying, this is the decision and I want you to write the answer in the sky? Uh, or are we rather praying that God would help us to understand his word and apply it? Are we asking God for wisdom Are we praying that God would give us good motives, that he would be helping us to trust him, to have faith in his plans and purposes, to be obedient? 
Uh, are we concerned in our prayers about the spread of the gospel? Uh, do we pray that we will be seeking God's kingdom first? And, and then when we've done all of those things, just do what seems best. Um, it's the last couple of points. Uh, is, is this consistent with my passions, my gifts, my talents? Um, and does the prospect excite me? Does it engage me? Does it energize me as I am thinking about it? Um, hopefully, let me see, time has pretty much gone. I will have to look at those questions. Um, if there are any questions, see whether any, there are any questions or not. Doesn't look like there are. Great. So I don't have to answer anything. Excellent. Um, but if you do have any questions or you think of anything, that slider will be open for a couple of days, as I say, and we can have a look at any responses to any questions um, on Thursday in our uh, reflection video. But hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully that answered some questions and didn't just leave you with more uh, questions. Uh, and if you are struggling with a decision that you uh, are looking to take, then remember that God doesn't leave us on our own. Not only does he give us the Holy Spirit to help us, he also gives us each other. So you don't need to struggle or wrestle on your own. Find someone to talk to, find someone to pray with. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back to Sharon.